What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, I have my good friend uh, Napoleon Dynamite with me. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, what do you want to say to everybody? Hope everybody's doing well. Great to be on this podcast right now. Okay. So, thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. So my good friend uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He's uh, he's in uh, school right now. He's in uh, school for what is it? Astro astrophysics. Astrophysics. Goodness. What kind yeah. of person goes to school for astrophysics? Honestly, man. What would we do that to ourselves, right? What kind of person would do that to themselves? <laughs> what what program did you go into, man? <laughs> we're actually in the same. We were in the same program. Yeah. That's how I know this. That's how I know Napoleon. I just have him on this podcast today. I want to ask him a couple questions so you guys could get to know some people that are in uh, astrophysics. You're studying astrophysics. You were at York. What do you think about the program? What did you learn? What's your favorite concepts? And what are your favorite? Yeah. What are your favorite concepts in physics that you learned? That's kind of a hard question to answer because it's like saying, "What food do you like the best?" or "Who's your favorite cousin?" or like, <laughs> if I had kids, it's like saying, "Who's your favorite kid?" You know? Yeah. But I definitely, when I look back, I tended to really enjoy the classes that were astro-related. Yeah. Like we were in um, the techniques class together, and we were in stars and nebulae together. And like I remember, we'd be like dead tired, like full course load working a job like hired and at the end of the day the last class and we would all stick around and like ask questions and like really want to know why things happen the way they do yeah. and that to me showed passion so i when i look back those are like standout moments you know yeah so the um, so you like the astro related ones so which ones would yeah. be uh, your favorite which one was your favorite uh astro class the one that wasn't a class at all probably the the research course I, was it like the fourth year research course yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah yeah i i enjoyed that one too it was pretty fun uh, yeah i think there's so much to learn i'm like it's so real you know like you just do, do your own thing and you get actual value on it i think it's important to, to do that especially in an undergrad level thing yeah so you you're i feel like you're more into like the observational astronomy side of things like um aren't weren't you like doing something with a telescope at york yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's one of the big reasons to answer your question like what what i think of the program one of the big reasons i accepted york versus the other schools was because they had the observatory it was because they had the telescopes and it is a big plus i mean I, I was there since i'm still somewhat involved you know i was there since 2012 so eight years now wow and yeah like time flies man um yeah i i'm definitely into that I'm kind of changing direction now. Okay. But I think it's really observational astronomy is very important to this field. I think it For also sure. needs a bit of a balance. For sure. With theoretical um, stuff. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at the at the observatory? It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I think uh, the viewers would like to hear some about the observations at the observatory. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was kind of like even a lot of luck went into even getting accepted at York and being there and working there. For the most part, it was outreach, which was awesome because you got to interact with people that were just in general somewhat interested in varying degrees uh, in astronomy. And you need to talk to them, they would ask questions and you kind of, you know, you see that spark and you, you fan the fire within them and like they get really interested wow. and they get really, really into the science yeah so that was that was awesome to get the opportunity to do that and have those connections with people i think at the end of the day it's all about connections whether whatever you do it's about connections and 
you really felt that connection with them. On the other side, we also did a bit of research. It was on uh, variable stars. Now you know about this a little bit. Yeah. They're called Sexenicia stars. They're stars that are on the end of their lives and they're just kind of getting bigger and smaller and they're changing their brightness. And from that, you can learn a bunch of different stuff, primarily so, distance. So that's, that's so, mainly it, yeah. So you could learn about the distance of a star from like the, the variable brightness. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because uh, it's kind of, we learned, we, we learned about standard candles like uh, supernovae, the different types of supernovae. And this is kind of like that because depending on how long it takes for it to complete one cycle, you can figure out how far away it is, which is kind of important. Space is a big place. So yeah. we want to figure out relative to us where things are and how they're moving and where we live, really. That's the, that's the big question. And then on top of that, we, we kind of got into different stuff, um, a lot of imaging, which was awesome. I really enjoyed that, trying to like really see things that we can't with our own eyes. Yeah, so... That's a big actually, chunk of the world. Yeah, so actually I was going to ask you, you, you were into like astrophotography or something, right? You're doing like yeah, yeah, space imaging. Good. You're doing, um, didn't you, I think you posted something onto your Instagram, like it was like a galaxy and you like did the color, color grading and everything, was it? Yeah. So like, can you? Yeah, good memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah can you give uh, some more like details on like how you do that? What's the process of that? And maybe I'll pull it up on the side over here, like right, somewhere right here. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, like, let's think about what a picture is. So you 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 take your phone and you you snap a picture of something. What's really happening is there's there's a sensor at the back of your camera lens and it's exposing it to the light that's outside very quickly, quickly within well under a second, milliseconds, even shorter than that. But this is a little bit different because you're looking at something that's very, very dark. We all know, you know, you, you try to image something during the daytime. Wow, beautiful, crisp image is amazing. Yeah. But at nighttime, eh, not so much. Now, you know, the phones are getting more advanced and technology, software, and all that stuff is getting more advanced. You have night mode, which basically exposes the it's sensor. It's a long exposure, right? It's a long, exactly. It's a long exposure, so you get more lighting. Same principle applies. So the sensor is a little bit different but it's the same basic idea so you're exposing for sometimes minutes on end for one picture depending on how good the telescope is and how good the, the cooling is and stuff like that but you take let's say a very let's say a minute long exposure yeah and you do this multiple times as you're tracking your, your object in the night sky because as we know they're facilitate so you need to also keep following where that thing is going be it a galaxy star planet whatever oh uh, yeah so, which by the way does change if you're if you're doing the moon for example you wouldn't be using long exposures but or, or if you're doing a planet you do need to vary how you're tracking. very steady right so, because yeah, of the uh long so so the thing is i think the idea is like if you had a long exposure and the object's moving, then it just create a streak in your photo, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so you gotta exactly keep that right. tracking. And um, what happens if you you don't track the object properly? Is there a way to fix it, or do you have to do it manually, or is it automatic, or what? Depends on how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, if it's in one kind of dimension, yeah. If it's in one axis, then you could do software to move it, and we actually do have to do that in in some instances, even though you're tracking because the object is rotating in the sky uh, in your images rather it, it ends up like you're picturing it like this and it slowly does this so you have to kind of revert it back and wow. this is all post-processing yes yeah so what we end up doing is the general idea and maybe i'm doing this wrong but usually what we do is we take it in different filters so the the basic is red blue and green and you can have different filters as well if you want to bring out certain features and certain colors radiation lines and stuff like that yeah. 
and what we end up doing is after you're done taking all your images and there's certain things that you correct for if you want to really get into this dark current biases and your flat fields uh, that's kind of more detailed stuff but yeah. after everything's done you know post-processing you kind of merge everything together put it all into one thing and then tweak it a little bit the same way you would with an instagram photo um, before wow. you post it online and then you get a finished product it takes a while but i think it's I think it's worth it. So, like, um, the images that are usually posted of galaxies, like, I heard, like, um, I think um, a lot of people get this wrong, is that um, they're not really actually that color. The colors are actually, like, shifted for a more beautiful picture. Is that is that right? Depends on what you're looking at. I mean, um, sometimes it's, it's so debatable and it's so subjective, right? Like, what you see might be different than what I see. Even I know for myself, my right eye very slightly sees colors differently than my left eye. Every every eye is different. So what is really a true, real color? It's okay. hard to say. But for the most part, when you take a picture with your phone, for example, um, I think you'd agree that it looks a lot like the thing you would see with your eyes. The colors might not be exactly the same. That green on the tree there might not be exactly the way I see the green with my eye, that it shows up on my phone screen. And a lot has to go into why that happens. But because humans are the way they are, we try to mimic what our what our mind does. Um, if you're looking at a normal normal image that's not color enhanced, yeah, it, it'll be very similar if your eyes were just that sensitive to light and they could see that far into, yeah. into the depths of the universe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, you're right. Some, some of them, they're, they're in ultraviolet or infrared or just completely different. And that's something that our eyes don't see, which kind of makes you wonder how much are we missing? Yeah, definitely. I think it's like um, our eyes could see like what five percent of the visible light spectrum, or I mean, like probably something um, visible light. Yeah. I mean, like the the light spectrum is like what infinite, isn't it? Um, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, the way we're communicating right now is technically lights involved in it. You know, not just from the camera, but just the broadcast of the radio waves. Yeah, like Wi-Fi. Computer. Yeah, exactly. And and that's a big thing too, right? Like because a lot of people think it gives you diseases and radiation, but it's just light at the end of the day and it doesn't actually do any harm as far as we know yeah um, and then on the other end you have gamma and x-rays and stuff you know? yeah so okay so since we're on that topic what are you what are your uh, opinions on 5g yeah okay uh yeah i don't think it's linked to covid at all <laughs> uh, yeah i think i think it's a great idea um so basically they're using different form of light than what our our phones are getting right now which is microwave and they're a bit shorter which means you can pack more information and you get more bandwidth so you can download like entire series on netflix within a few seconds if, you, if you're very close to the to the uh, 5g tower yes you know i think it's a great idea it's going to take a long time to implement and roll out it's not going to fully take over what we're using now like it, it'll be really useful in very densely packed areas like stadiums and airports and stuff like that but like where i live here and then i go to let's say the cottage up north i might not be using 5g all the time you know yeah so it's like basically wherever wherever possible we can link into 5g networks yeah um do you think that the 5g bandwidth has anything to do with like uh cancer could it be dangerous I mean, in any way as far as we know there's the general consensus the scientific consensus or is the frequency, no it is yeah. not yeah just because the way these work again we could we always are open to being wrong and learning more but the way radiation gives cancer is it's so energetic that it knocks out parts of your dna and that causes mutations when that dna tries to heal itself yeah with 
this amount of energy that's packed in those forms of light, there's simply not enough for that to happen. At worst, maybe you get a little bit of heat, with, and that's completely different. That's from your phone actually heating up when you put it up to your ear and your face gets hot. On that, not much. There are, of course, papers out there as with anything that say the complete opposite. It's up to us to decide whether they're scientifically sound or not, and we have to do our own research to yeah. decide that. Do you think like telephones have anything to do with like um, testicular cancer? Um, oh, some, so. some some people have these. There's these papers that are released about um, when you put the phone in your pocket, you know, and it's so close to your you know your area. A lot of people are worried about that, and the same thing with like wireless headphones. Wireless headphones have to transmit frequencies between each other to communicate, right? What do you think about those things um, being so close to your body? And um, I know that, you know, like the frequencies that are being used can't really penetrate deep into the skin and the body. But what about your skin? And what about the outer surface? Yeah, these are all really good questions. And I think what is important to remember is correlation versus causation. Just because we see an upward trend in X form of cancer and an upward trend in X form of telecommunication services or even phone usage does not mean that they're related. And if you actually overlay and superimpose those data on top of each other, they don't exactly line up. You, there are people that will argue one's going up, so is the other, and that's why this is happening. But I don't think that's the case. As you said, they don't really penetrate that deep into the skin. Yeah. And there's actually a value that's published with every phone on how much it's Acceptable. kind of under the yeah. yeah, it's under FCC guidelines and all that kind of stuff, and uh, how much it puts out, and it's all within those limits usually, especially with phones that are on our markets. Yeah. You know, North American markets. As far as the skin, does it give skin cancer? I think you going outside is more likely to give you skin cancer because of the sun and your phone. Your phone might get your skin hot and the worst thing that can happen is just, ah, your skin just gets a little bit warm unless it's like scorching hot and that's like a Note 7 problem that happened all those years ago, you know? But no, I don't think it gives you skin cancer. So while we're on the topic of technology, let's move on to, uh, let's move on to AI. I wanted to ask you a few questions about AI. Um, I'm not sure if you follow along. Um, are you following along with like uh, Neuralink? Not like closely, but I know of it. Yeah, so Neuralink, um, so like the new and upcoming technologies I think are like Neuralink and uh, that's a, like a very hyped up technology, if it even were. People believe that Elon Musk is working on something about like downloading information into your brain, uploading it into the cloud, memories being saved, um, as well as like VR and AR incoming. Um, you know, uh, resolutions are getting so good that you can barely discern a video game from reality. What are your opinions and thoughts about that? Like, what do you think we're going to be in the future in the next five to 10 years? I think the biggest thing right now is the fear of the unknown. As with any technology, you know, you look at history, it's always a good indication of what's going to happen in the future. Majority of times when anything new was coming out, the people that were naysayers would be very adamant about, no, this and that, and this is why it's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Honestly, I think it's part of evolution. And, and when a species anywhere uh, in the universe, if there, there are other species, I think once they get advanced to a certain degree like us, the next step is enhancement of, of the self beyond what evolution has done and is capable of doing. Why are we doing this? Well, because evolution is an arduous process. It takes a long time. Yeah. Right? It takes millions of years until you get a new species. At the same time, we, we you look back at the Industrial Revolution, that was not really that long ago. Yeah. You know, the versus the amount of time that humans have been on here as well. I think like how many, let's, let's just 
hundred. Look at this. A couple hundred thousand years, maybe. I think it's. I think it's like hundred and fifty to two hundred, maybe four hundred max. Between six and two million years ago, apparently. No. Uh, no, I don't know if it's Homo sapiens or what, but. Wow, two point five million years ago. Yeah, so let's say let's say even a little bit less than that. I don't well, know some some resources are saying three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand years first Homo sapiens, and then I'm seeing yeah. here another one five million and seven million years ago. But even if you say if you take the lower end of that, I think it's more in like the hundreds of thousands. That's what I thought too. That I might thought be it was the, like the two hundred to four hundred thousand max. That might, they might be talking about like the common ancestors. Like I mean, like, way back. well, like if if you really believe in evolution, then the common ancestor is like what the first microbacteria. Yeah, there you go. Like, <laughs> you're gonna go billions of years. But even if you say okay, let's say three hundred thousand, whatever. Let's say a hundred thousand. A hundred years is nothing. Yeah, for you know? sure. Like, that's that's absolutely peanuts. That's not even a percent. That's a tenth of a percent. So like, evolution simply does not have the time to catch up versus our technological advancement. So now it's like, okay, what are we gonna do? We have a bandwidth problem in our in our brain. We can't. It's like it's like me trying to type something to you, like, hey, this is what's going on, versus getting on a phone call and just telling you within five ten seconds, and then boom, you have a connection. The same thing is kind of happening. I mean, as I'm sure you know, sometimes you have these experiences where a million things go in your mind. But by the time you get to the point that we, you can actually coherently say what you want to say, it takes a while. So it, it's not as efficient as, as it could be, and I think that's where they're going. I think it's completely natural. There are, of course, huge, huge, huge complications and challenges ahead. I'm no expert in, and I don't know too, too much about it. But I think it's a good way forward. You mentioned something about how evolution. Can't catch up with our technological advances.、Mm -hmm. So、um, this is just a random throwout question. There, I'm gonna ask you. So, like, evolution is a natural process, correct? Yeah. Would you say that technological evolution is a natural process? Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you think that technological advance is a part of natural evolution? Man, I heard this crazy thing that said <laughs> we humans are just the breeding ground for AI. Yeah. And it's like,、um, and if you really think about it, because that, what you just said, right?、Um, evolution can't catch up to a technological advance, and it's like, how can technological advance be faster than evolution if everything's a natural process? Yeah, and and you, it kind of makes you wonder, like, as far as we know, Earth is the only place that has life, and as far as life's concerned, we are. And you can definitely make arguments against this these days, but we are the most advanced form of life there is.、Uh, we do all kinds of crazy stuff, and we really change the way the world even looks when you're looking at it from space. Now, if the next step is AI, you know, and that's a natural thing that would happen with with anything, with any kind of form of life, the next kind of evolution, the next step would be AI. Yeah. Makes me wonder: Is the whole point of the universe to develop AI? AI, like, are we just, are we just kind of、like、waiting for that to happen? Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like, yeah, we're we're almost like the building blocks for AI. Like we're the pigs, like the, the guinea pigs, or like the monkeys that build the higher form of intelligence, basically. But yeah, it's it's, cra know, like, it's crazy to think. It's like、um, most life forms and most intelligence come from like evolution. But having an intelligence being built by another form of intelligence, I don't think there's any other like form of that in the universe. Like you don't really see that in any other animals or creatures or anything. It's like AI、and、is. We're like, far from that. We're very far from that right now. Like, yeah. When you when you really dig deep into it, there is very little evidence to show that what AI is doing 
is actual intelligence. It's just algorithms and it's machine learning, but it's not the same intelligence that we have. You know, it's not the same kind of intelligence. If and when we're at a level that we can actually create that, we can say we've created artificial intelligence, and that exactly, I 100% agree. I don't think that's ever been done. <laughs> I mean, you can't say a mouse has created whatever. You know, like yeah. <laughs> It's just, uh, yeah, it's mind-blowing. It's mind it makes you kind of, I don't know, it makes you wonder, like, uh, I don't want to get, like, too deep and philosophical here, but on the topic of God, we always think God is a higher, more advanced being than we are, but what if it's kind of what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we like, already have, like, some forms of computers that are beating humans in most tasks. Like, think about trying to yeah. calculate, like, 10 million... 465,053 multiplied by whatever amount and then multiply by another amount multiplied by another amount. You can do that it's in like a huge list on a computer and I'll spit it out in like one second. Absolutely, yeah. Because even like the, the slowest computers are what, one gigahertz, right? Like I don't think you can even find anything that has that kind of clock speed these days. Yeah. They're all above that. But even one gigahertz, that's 10 to the 9 computations per, per second. Per second, yeah. That's a lot of zero. That's a lot of computations happening. Yeah. How many, how many computations do you think your brain can do in a second? Half. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take me at least two. <laughs> at least two seconds to figure out what's happening, man. Yeah. And it's just like you, you start realizing how like slow your brain is and the natural... You start taking in like, like Neuralink and how smart that is to even have us, you know, connected to computers like that because it's, it's a must almost. It's an Elon Musk. A must or Musk? Yeah, it's an Elon oh, Musk. <laughs> I think he's just developing a bunch of like must-haves. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely changing the world in a good way, I think. What do you think the next Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk is going to look like? Huh. That's very interesting because you can never really tell, right? Like Elon Musk kind of popped out of nowhere. Like nobody, he was like the, the hero that like rose from the ashes. He just like just came out of nowhere, came out with electric cars. Like PayPal was like a big thing, but nobody really knew who he was. I mean, like PayPal is just another platform that you use and you're like, yeah, nobody really cares who made PayPal. But then to think that the same guy that created PayPal is about to launch um, rockets into space and then launch one of the world's biggest electric car manufacturing facilities, you know, it's like, it's insane because like no one would. Yeah, didn't, didn't Tesla uh, with the Model 3 outsell literally everything in 2019? I think they outsold like Corollas and like yeah, I think, and all kinds of stuff. I think they're the biggest car manufacturer in the world right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. They... Yeah, I think like even factually, uh, I think it was the Tesla. Yeah, they, these guys are just completely going crazy. Yeah, um, if you invested in Tesla a few years ago, you probably have double or more your money right now, probably like three times, maybe. Yeah. Two, three years, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, this is from three, four. Three, four years, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think... So I want to ask you another question. What is your what is your um, most anticipated uh, new technology that's coming out in the next five years? What's uh, What are you most excited about? I think the honest answer to that would be quantum computers. Quantum computers? Yeah. Can you tell us a little more about that? Uh, what is a quantum? Uh, yeah, computer? I mean, what is quantum mechanics? I mean, I mean you know more about <laughs> eigenvalues uh, and quantum mechanics than I do. Nah. But nah. Yeah, 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 you do. Don't be humble, man. Uh, but basically, it, it's it's instead of the basic computer operates on zeros and ones, so you have two values. Yeah. Quantum's weird. It's the it's the world of the very small and like super super small, and things can both exist and non-exist simultaneously. Yeah. So you could have a zero and one together. So it's like you have zero, you have 
one and you have zero and one. It's like a third state kind of. Uh, and this opens up possibilities like crazy. It, yeah. it, when you're dealing with such base level stuff that everything's built on is so foundational, uh, it, it just completely changes the landscape. Like one of the biggest things with quantum right now is when you want to be fully private, like VPNs, for example, or end-to-end encryption stuff, that works with the lock and key method. And it's just you and I that have that lock. Specifically, yeah. so that's why people can't snoop in on your conversations. And ever since Snowden released, that's become a big thing now. With quantum, you could break that like this. Whereas with a traditional computer, it would take millennia. It would take like forever to do that. So I think that's the biggest thing, uh, and I think it's going to really radically change the landscape. I don't think it's going to replace silicon-based computers. Like you're not going to be using a quantum computer to do word processing. I mean, like I th- the I'm biggest pre- thing coming out. I mean, I, f- I feel like that's what they probably said with like the regular computers back in the day when they were like the size of a wall. Right? You're like, you're not going to have a computer yeah. in your hand just giving you like, I don't know, a cal- using it as a calculator. But uh, here, we, here we are using computers as calculators in our hand. That's, that's very true. Like, you, you never know where the future goes. <laughs> but I guess in, in the short term, like five years kind of a thing, if quantum does get to that kind of level, yeah. that it's more accessible, I think we'll still be using these guys here and like you know, old traditional computers and keyboards and stuff for the time being because they're so good at what they do. But who knows, maybe in 30, 40, 50 years, yeah, you're going to have a quantum computer in your palm of your hand. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> and then uh, merging quantum computing with artificial intelligence and VR and AR. And it's just, yeah. Um, and then you have Neuralink and then uh, uploading your brain into the cloud. And then you have, you know. Would you do that? Would you upload it? Would, would I you upload, upload my... your brain? Um, depends if it damages my brain. I probably would. I mean, like, I don't know. Let's I say, feel like there's like privacy concerns. There that it won't. I feel like even today <laughs> there are like privacy concerns, right? Like, um, with your cell phone, like everything you do is being monitored, and even then, people don't really care what they upload into the cloud, right? They just do it. Uh, most people yeah. just um, they're like whatever about the privacy concerns. I just need my convenience. I think I think technology is going in a direction where privacy is a major concern and uploading your brain to the cloud i mean to me as a, someone that should think further about it i think i sh- i would but um i think most people wouldn't and i think most people just do it and just i mean think about how much data amazon or facebook owns of you and everybody yeah, huge right so huge huge we're the product actually when we think we're using the product because that's, I think that's the problem with anything that, with like uploading your brain to the cloud. I mean, they're obviously going to make it safe for you to do it first before they release it. And when they do, the, what is the real major concern, I think, would be privacy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And would you then, would you risk that versus living forever? Like. Oh, living forever? Um, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that, actually. But. I mean, like, I think when someone thinks about living forever, they don't think about how society progresses. And it changes a lot over the years. Like even from now compared to like 2010, life is so different right now. Life is so different. And that's just 10 years. Now imagine the next, and like technology is growing exponentially, right? So it's like, imagine the next 10 years, imagine the next 10 years, imagine the next 10 years. It's like, if you're living forever, you're, I don't think you're gonna get bored. I don't think you're gonna get bored. I think you're gonna go through like, you're gonna go from here to like the space age and then you're gonna have like aliens or whatever. You're gonna have all that stuff. And it's like, you're gonna see everything. And I mean, I think it's a pretty cool idea to live forever. But I mean, like a lot of the reason why advances are made is because 
the people that are doing it are so driven because they know they're gonna die. Like when you put a, as I'm sure like a lot of people have experienced this, when there's a deadline on something, you procrastinate, 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 procrastinate. But as that deadline is around the corner, boom, you get crazy amounts of work done in, in like no time at all. And I think when there's a deadline on your life, man, like listen, I'm gonna max out probably at a hundred. I'm, I'm already like a quarter, a half, whatever X amount done in my life. He's like, man, let's go. We got to get something done. We got to get this done. We got to, we got to make an impact kind of a thing. And I think majority of people have that mentality. I don't know how that's going to change when all of a sudden you're like, yeah, there's no expiration date. Do whatever you want for as long as you want. Kind of yeah, but then at the same time, it's like if everyone's living forever, it doesn't really matter how fast everything goes. At the same time, it's like, you know, time is pretty relative too. But I, I honestly, I don't think that would affect the workflow of people, and especially. You like everybody has an excuse to be like oh um i don't want to put in the work right but even today most people are like you know i don't want to do it so yeah. like i don't think your lifeline really impacts how you work i mean for some people maybe it does but if you're driven enough for whatever reasons or whatever your motivation is i think that would be enough to make whatever motivation whatever you want to happen yeah as long as you have the discipline you know like this one is just literally at the core of it it's doing the right thing even though you have all the excuses and it, they could be legitimate excuses but like man i gotta go to the gym yeah eight o'clock i have to do it yeah. i don't want to i'm tired i, I don't sleep all I, last night i'm yeah. hungry yeah my shoulder hurts so you xyz yeah but you do it you know that's that's the discipline that's what gets for me sure. done. And, and sure okay maybe the workflow for those people wouldn't change but what about resources because if everybody all of a sudden, this is under the assumption that new people are being added to the earth by the way yeah like people are still having kids yeah then then what happens to that you know even if we're all on computers that still takes energy to run computers so what happens what does it even mean to have kids in the future i mean like <laughs> what does that even mean like if yeah you, like we're getting into like biological like altering and stuff like you have just imagine being able to filter out like the the best of your you know reproductive um genes and then just transferring them on to the next generation and right now um the way that biology is working it's like you find your own person that you like or whatever you find your person you guys make kids and generations go on but um with uploading to the cloud and everything and all this technology coming out it's like i feel like there's gonna be a way a new a new way to even make pass on the next generation Just like here's here's jim and here's anna i don't know whatever and he, we can see their waveforms and this is the best that they can do we're gonna mix it and create yeah i don't know that's kind of yeah. crazy i think i f i feel like that might possibly be in the future like um like gene gene pools and then like um filtering out these gene pools and then uh mixing them with other like basically selective breeding of human beings um it's kind of terrifying maybe it's just my inner like fear of change but i don't know and when that's something like that it seems so maybe maybe it's not unnatural but it seems unnatural i'm like i can just imagine my grandkids are gonna be like gods compared to me like like yeah. what is this puny brained guy like <laughs> basically right it's, yeah even even with even now with the different generations you can see like the huge jumps in like like features like kids kids nowadays look so different than how they used to look um just even with like facial features and everything it's like wow the new generation is just wow it's always just gonna be changing it's always gonna be changing um <laughs> I know, I know, but like, I find there's a balance in everything, you know, like, how much is too much? 
like if you're changing what when we get into like the upload brain is it going to be like by the minute there there is like a better you know like yeah i mean like i mean like you always imagine you always dream about like doing things faster and better and always faster and better but it's like i don't think what does that even mean though yeah like where are we even like, headed what does better mean you know yeah cuz like some people could argue you know um the natural human state is the best state um technology is like altering the ha- the natural human state right people are chatting through the webcam they're not meeting up face to face anymore people are i don't know playing video games they're not going out to play soccer you don't even eat real food anymore you're eating all gmo products and this and this and that and who knows right everything is being changed and i think uh, eventually we're going to have to live with it or see how it goes i think there's a fine balance man. like yeah it's true like th- there's a certain element of that hum- human the human element rather and when you talk to i don't know if you ever get the chance even but if you talk to amish people they they'll always tell you yeah man there's like a tranquility here there's like a peace here it's like it's so relaxing and calming and we just do what we do and we're not worried about anything kind of a thing but at the same time you have on the other end of the spectrum the the you know the newer generation of today the kids 2 years old holding an iPhone they're growing up with that you know and i think there's a there's a fine line there's a balance that you can kind of get the best best of both worlds because ultimately to be human i don't think it's just necessarily about IQ and how many computations you can do in a second yeah you know? for sure because of the computer there's right? a lot like, there's a lot of other things uh, to do in life i mean like then you really start questioning like what's the point of life like you know what is really the point of life like am i here to have a good time or am i here to do something or am i here to you know i think both man i think both have a good time and do something why not You're like but yeah i mean like, the world better they found it but at the same time live yeah but um i would i mean like a lot of the people that you find to be majorly successful sacrifice a lot of their good time living for work you know so those are the people that you look up to too you know those are the people that we all look up to like well how do they do that for sure like einstein told his wife basically don't talk to me while i'm working and put my food behind the door kind of thing yeah a lot of times people don't hear that side of the story they don't see that side of the coin like yeah he was hyper smart did a lot of science but was he a good person mm. you know and and i think living a good life that ties into it you know yeah did i accomplish something but at the same time was i a good person and only you can answer that really hmm. that's um that's a great way to uh i think end the podcast thank you funk appreciate you as always yeah appreciate you too man Um yeah so just want to say um all right peace <laughs> Take care